We're coming out of the tunnel on College Football Live with breaking news out of Columbus. Ohio State has their guy here. Why Ryan Day says he made this decision. And while they have their QB1, a little different story right now in Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban has been there 17 years for the first time. He's not releasing a depth chart. Why he says that's limiting distractions. And speaking of distractions, Michigan is going to be without Jim Harbaugh for the first three games due to that self-imposed ban. Why he says this is so much more than just a slap on the wrist. We have got a lot to get to in a jam-packed crew here with me today to cover it all. Our Heisman Trophy winner for Michigan, Desmond Howard, Keith Thamel, ESPN College Football Insider, and the former national champ from Alabama, Greg McElroy, all here with me today. Guys, lots to get to, including breaking news out of Ohio State because they have found their quarterback. The long battle to see who will replace C.J. Stroud is over. Here's Ryan Day with the decision. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Indiana game, uh, Kyle McCord will be the starter. Um, and uh, Devin Brown is going to play in the game. Uh, I think that Kyle has done a great job over the last two weeks of, of showing consistency. Um, he's played very well in practice. Uh, but, but Devin also throughout the body of the preseason has shown that he deserves to play. So um, expect both of them to play. Uh, we have confidence in both of them. Um, I think that's you know, significant that we, that we have two guys that we feel confident playing in a game. This is something that's a little uncharted territory for me, but um, you just go on what you see every day in practice. And um, I think that Kyle's consistency the last couple of weeks has allowed him to be the starter. He deserves that. But I also think uh, Devin deserves to play in the game as well. So um, how much, all that, that's still to be determined, but, but we've at least come up with that uh, conclusion here. When the soundbite starts with the media laughing, you know that we've been hearing this over and over and over again. But now we finally have an answer. So, Pete, tell us what you can tell us, what more you can tell us about what led to this decision. Yeah, Kelsey, uh, I think over the last week, Kyle McCord has pulled away a little bit from Devin Brown in this quarterback race. It was a close race, especially early in camp. And I think the phrase that Ryan Day used that really hammered home the reason was consistency. Uh, Kyle McCord does not have to go out and throw 60 touchdown passes this season. He has to go out and accentuate the great weapons that Ohio State has, including his former high school teammate, Marvin Harrison Jr. This is going to be a more balanced Ohio State team with a healthy Travion Henderson. They have a high-end tight end in Cade Stover. And Kyle McCord is going to be a distributor to start. He has the talent and the skill set to do that. And that's why he's getting the nod opening night at Indiana. Well, and he has a little bit more experience than Devin Brown, of course, just played in 12 games in the last two seasons. Greg, so what are your expectations for what we'll see from Kyle? Well, I think this is going to be a competition that's ongoing. If you listen closely to Ryan Day, he says for the Indiana game, Kyle McCord will be the starter, which I think is the appropriate decision. He's been there longer. He's played well when given the opportunity. He is a predictable piece as far as what he's going to provide this offense. But there is a wild card here, and this is a very quarterback-driven offense. And if you have a quarterback that's very capable in contributing to the quarterback run element of this offense, then Devin Brown 
could carve out a little more than just a role. Remember last year, Cade McNamara started the first game for Michigan, J.J. McCarthy the second. They ended up going with McCarthy going forward. Ole Miss did something similar. Luke Altmyer the first game. The second game was Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart was the guy in week three and beyond. So I think that this is still, even though it's McCord for now, this is not something that I think is a guaranteed long-term solution that could not change the rest of the season. Yeah, when you listen to uh, Coach Day speak, um, don't listen to what he said. Listen to what he did not say. And it wasn't like a great vote of confidence for McCord at all. I agree with Greg 100%. The race is still on. The competition is still open. It has just moved to the first game of the season against Indiana. This is a situation where Coach Day and his staff, they want to see how both guys respond when, I guess we say, the bullets are live against live competition, live action, a real game. So the competition is still open. I thought that McCord would get the nod simply because you would think there is a natural chemistry between him and Ohio State's best player, Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver. So you would think that he had the edge and that they would go for him. But I think the, the um, competition is definitely still open. We'll see how both players play against Indiana on the road. When you've got a consensus All-American that already has some chemistry with him dating back to high school, that definitely carries a little bit of weight as you get into the start of the season. High expectations for this team, regardless of who is playing at quarterback, as you take a look at college football rankings brought to you by Verbo. Ohio State starts its season ranked third, receiving one first-place vote. Georgia atop the poll with 60 of the 63 first-place votes, and the other two, they went to Michigan, which will be without Jim Harbaugh for the first three games. He spoke yesterday on the self-imposed suspension. I don't really want to go into the how it was conveyed. It was it was conveyed. That's I respect his decision. I've heard people comment it's a slap on the wrist. It's it's more like a baseball bat to the kneecaps, uh, or or to the to the shoulder. It's uncharted waters. For me, I really don't know what it's going to be like, and that's, that's, that's what I was asking. I mean, day to day, I've been just, I've been coaching the team. I'm continuing to coach the team. I mean, some people call up and ask my wife, what are we doing for the three-week vacation that we're about to take? And, uh, yeah, she has the same, the same, same reaction. Uh, there isn't one. I'm, I'm, I'm coaching every single day. Guys, that's a big part of this. He is still going to coach all throughout the week. He will be there. He just will not be there on Saturday. As you take a look at the schedule, he'll be out for the non-conference games against East Carolina, UNLV, and Boiling Green, all of which Michigan has at least a 95% chance to win. So take what you will from that. He'll be back before they start that Big Ten play against Rutgers. But, but Des, I want to come to you first on this. And just overall, big picture, your thoughts on the decision here and what's happening with the suspension self-imposed from Michigan? Well, the big picture is the NCAA, um, they look really bad in this whole situation they have from day one when they went from a level two, which was a very, very small infraction, to a level one simply because they said that Coach Harbaugh did not cooperate with, with uh, the investigation the way they thought he should. But when you look at the players, like, and how is this going to affect the players? Guys, I think this is going to uh, light a fire underneath the players. I think that the Michigan football team is going to adopt that us-against-the-world mentality. They think that their coach is being um, improperly uh, punished, 
and that he's being mistreated by the NCAA. And, Greg, the last time I was in a situation like this, when it was like me and my teammates and we wanted to rally against the system, it was when I was in Green Bay in 1996. Brett Favre had just came out of rehab, and the media just pounced on Greg, I mean, on Brett Favre, and talked about why was he in there and was it drugs. And, you know, it just really, really just beat up our quarterbacks. At that point, we circled the wagons and we adopted that us against the world mentality. And the, uh, by the end of that season, we were ho hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. We won the Super Bowl. So I think if I know the Michigan football team the way I think I do, I think they're adopting that same type of mentality, us against the world, because they believe that their leader is getting mistreated by the NCAA, Greg. Yeah, it can be a galvanizing force. I completely agree with you, Des. It gives a team that's been told all offseason just how great they are. It gives them a collective chip on the shoulder. And I think that's a real benefit when looking at how this could impact the culture within the locker room moving forward. When you look at Michigan's roster, guys, they, they have fewer questions than anybody. The one question that you might have is... Maybe at tight end and at wide receiver, the weapons that J.J. McCarthy has at his disposal. But I happen to think that that group collectively is really underappreciated. They're great on defense at all three levels. There's really nothing right now that you can look at Michigan and say, yeah, you know what? They got this issue. They got that issue. They've been told how great they are, and that can lead to complacency, which is far more, far more detrimental to the long-term development of the team. So I think having their coach away and people starting to question them might be more beneficial than it would harm them. They made it to the college football playoff the last two years, doing a lot right there. We'll see if they can get over that hump and win their first title since 1997. Meanwhile, another big story across college football is in the ACC. Today, the conference celebrated the opening of the new office headquarters in Charlotte. Celebration, you see, it includes, guys, the appearances from the mascots, the flag-raising ceremony, just 15 of them Four right now, 14 on the football side, 15 altogether for the ACC. But we bring back in Pete Thamel, who has continued to follow this conference realignment talks all offseason long. And Pete, what is the latest you can tell us about these talks and the potential addition of Cal, Stanford, and SMU? Yeah, Kelsey, the uh, tragic shooting at the University of North Carolina has uh, muted those conversations a bit in the ACC and put any decision in a bit of a holding pattern out of respect for the leadership at North Carolina. Uh, things are about where they were mid-Monday afternoon when the vote was scheduled. Uh, there are still four dissenting votes from the earlier straw poll a few weeks back, and there's no clear view Heading into Monday, there wasn't any way of whether one of those four votes would flip and allow the three teams, Cal, Stanford, and SMU, to enter the league. Uh, Commissioner Jim Phillips is going to go to Dallas for the CFP meetings Wednesday. The goal of the league heading into the week was a decision early in the week before football. Uh, that appears to be a bit muddled now, obviously, in the wake of the tragedy. And so uh, we will continue to wait for the ACC. Certainly wish our best thoughts down to everyone at North Carolina as they deal with that tragedy and the shooting on campus. And we will continue to monitor this situation with the ACC, which kicks off football on Thursday night. A lot more to come here on College Football Live. We're talking quarterbacks, but uh, Nick Saban isn't. He still hasn't released his week one depth chart. We'll break down whether or not that is a distraction. Plus, will Georgia be the first team to win three championships in the AP poll era? Find out why Kirby Smart isn't letting himself think about that just yet. 
College Football Live is brought to you by Aster Pro Allergy, nasal allergy relief that starts working in 30 minutes. It is back. Action on the field. A season ready to erupt. And have a few This is what college football is supposed to be. You'll see Des there this weekend. You'll hear Greg on the call there this weekend. But we're going to Alabama now because in Nick Saban's 17 seasons at Alabama, he has always put out a depth chart ahead of the season. Not this year. You can stop asking. We are not getting a starting quarterback ahead of Saturday's open air. Here is why he says why. Creates a lot of distractions on our team. And quite frankly, you know, we don't need that. Uh, and I want all of our players to continue to compete, to continue to compete for playing time, uh, to try to play at the highest level. And I don't want anybody on our team to think they're a backup player or whatever. We're going one day at a time. Just because whoever starts in the first game, that doesn't mean that you don't have to continue to compete and play throughout the season because the competition doesn't end with the first game at any position, including quarterback. All right, Greg, so you were Nick Saban's first quarterback to win a national championship while he was there at Alabama. So I want to hear your thoughts on the decision, and is this really less of a distraction? It feels like more of a distraction. We're all talking about it. Well, everybody's talking about it, but everybody would be talking about who the quarterback is if he named one, just like we did Ohio State in the first segment. So it's standard. What I think is understandable about this entire process is that right now, if you look at the quarterback situation at Alabama, you have three different guys that are currently vying for the starting spot. All three have very different skill sets. So if you were to officially name a starter, let's just go with the incumbent in Jalen Milrow, well, that changes what Middle Tennessee and ultimately what Texas will do in week two in order to prepare for that offense, whereas the offense will change drastically if Ty Simpson's under center and will change as well if Tyler Buckner is the starting quarterback. So I think they're trying to just keep it in-house a little bit, and I would anticipate, much like we anticipate with Ohio State, I think this is going to be a quarterback situation that will continue to evolve as the season goes along. I'd be surprised if Milrow doesn't get the first crack at it, but it doesn't mean he's going to get the last crack at it if he doesn't play well early in the season. Yeah, Greg, I, I, I listened to that statement and I was just befuddled by it because I think that there's such a culture down there in Tuscaloosa that's been created by Coach Saban and his staff that the last thing you're worried about is um, competition starting to dwindle because you name a starter. If anything, you would hope that the guy who's behind the starter feels as though he needs to work a little harder so he can knock him off his perch. I do agree with Greg, though. There, there are so many different elements involved in each quarterback or each potential starting quarterback that this race is going to go into uh, beyond this first game. This is another situation, guys, where all three quarterbacks will play, and then we'll see who starts against Texas and Tuscaloosa. It's just different than what we've seen recently at Alabama, obviously. We're going to get to see so many of their former quarterbacks playing on Sundays all at the same time. So going to be interesting as they try to get back to the national championship and win another one. Meanwhile, everybody's eyes are on Georgia for sure because they are looking to 3 P 
feat that has not been accomplished in the AP poll era, which dates back to 1936. Two of the previous six teams to win two straight went undefeated, but then the next season they finished as runners-up. So Bulldogs head coach Kirby Smart had this to say on if he's thinking about a 3D. Absolutely not. I just don't think you can make it about that because the minute you do that, you open yourself to distractions, added pressure. What if it doesn't happen? What are you playing for? I mean, there's just so many things that I just don't believe philosophically in doing that because what the previous two teams did has no bearing on this team, has no bearing. I know it's so hard for people to believe that we're not talking about the other, but we got a lot of uh, work to be done before we start talking about that. Guys, a new team in a new year, but the expectations as high as ever for this team. So, Des, can this team do it again? What do you think about Georgia? Well, I agree with uh, Kirby Smart. He says that, you know, what the other two teams did, even, la even last year's team did, has no bearing on this year's team. That's always the coach speak coming into a new season. So I get that. I think that when you look at their schedule, now, Kelsey, I get it. They're in the SEC, so everyone thinks like their schedule is murder's row, whatever, but that's not the case. I mean, they have a pretty light schedule when you really look at it. I think they'll be double-digit favorites in just about every game. Maybe Florida. We'll see how the Gators look this season. Then, obviously, November 18th against Tennessee. Who knows what they're going to look like in the middle of November. But outside of that, I mean, I think that the Georgia Bulldogs will be a, a heavy favorite in just about every game they have this year. So it seems like they're on course to three-peat. But the big X factor is going to be the quarterback position, Carson Beck. I mean, Stetson Bennett gave so much to that offense that now we're going to see if Carson Beck, who's tr pretty much a different type of quarterback, is going to be able to fill those big shoes, Greg. And he's, he's got great arm talent. It's just the thing that made Stetson difficult to defend, Des, is that he would make those off-schedule plays. For instance, the defense would win. They'd get a good pass rush. They'd have a free runner. And Stetson would somehow turn what would normally be a sack into an explosive run or an explosive play because he made a guy miss, got outside the pocket, and kept his eyes downfield. That's the question mark that lives with Carson Beck. If he can operate from a clean pocket, I think they're improved at wide receiver in many ways. If he can operate from a clean pocket, then I think he can carve people up. But if for whatever reason, the pocket integrity isn't strong all the time, can he improvise the way Stetson Bennett did the last couple years that made Georgia's offense go to another level and route to two consecutive national championships? Big shoes for him to fill this year. We'll see if he is able to do it and what Georgia is able to do this year. We'll see that this weekend. But actually, we got college football coming your way on Thursday. A big showdown between Utah and Florida. Will Cam Rising be out there? We've got the latest from his head coach next. Kickoff rematch. A cross-conference showdown to start the season. Not your average season opener. Florida, Utah. Thursday, August 31st on ESPN. And as we get ready for this one, certainly keeping everyone in Florida and our thoughts and prayers as Hurricane Idalia approaches the coast. The Gators practicing in Gainesville today, flying to Dallas tonight, and then spending the night in Dallas, then flying to Utah tomorrow in wake of the approaching hurricane. Meanwhile...
still unsure on some things. You, you got the depth chart. You know, it's a challenge to have the depth chart a week out when you still have so many guys that are that are questionable. And so we did the best we could with that, but but still, uh, a lot of that's still in flux uh, today. Do you know who's going to start a quarterback? Is this that going to announce it? I don't know for positive right now. Nope, I can tell you that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so that is Utah Coach Winningham talking about who's starting at quarterback. Will we see Cam Rising, who, of course, had that ACL tear in the Rose Bowl last year? Greg, what are your thoughts on he's on the depth chart, but are we going to get to see him? Well, it just depends. I mean, he's coming back from an ACL, and at this point, it's kind of out of his control. He hasn't really participated the same way that you would like your starting quarterback to participate in fall camp leading up to the week one game against quality competition. But the good news is if Cam Rising can't go, they have capable backups behind them. If you look at the Bryson Barnes, who was the backup and played against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago, he did some nice things. They also have Nate Johnson, who's the fastest kid on the team. So they have capable replacements, but no one's going to be able to replace the moxie that Cam Rising plays with. Yeah, I agree with you, Greg. Uh, Cam Rising is like the leader of that team, not just the offense, but the offense and the defense. He's a guy who... When you watch him, you know that he's not 100%. He's played banged up so many games throughout his career. But that's a, a true fire way to earn the respect of your teammates and the coaches. So his leadership will be sorely missed if he's not playing against the Gators. And that's one of those intangibles that those other quarterbacks, they just don't bring to the offense. So I hope that he's able to, to suit up. But... Health concerns first, so I hope he gets healthy and then can play throughout the 2023 season. He is good for college football and so good for Utah as they are back-to-back Pac-12 champs. We'll see them on Thursday night taking on Florida. Guys, we are so close to a full week one slate of college football, but we will see you back here same time, same place tomorrow.